1: Montana's only daily sports talk show. is now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
2: I like football!
3: So Montana? Welcome in. Happy Friday. Nuan is now ESPN Radio coming to you live from the ESPN MT studios right here in the Garden City of Missoula, Montana. Happy to have you with us here on a Friday. You're listening on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. You can also watch us on SWX Montana or the ESPN MT app. You can get our online stream. Go to 1029ESPN.com. Click on Nuwanez now, now Listen Live. For the last time this week, Coulter Nuana is not in studio with us for Nuwanez Now. He's on the road. He's down visiting the Grand Canyon. Tomorrow he's going to drop in on the Montana Grizzlies football game at Utah Tech in St. George. So I'm Andrew Houghton, steering the ship back here from the producer's room at the ESPN MT Studios. Happy to have you with us. Jam-packed show today. We've got the MLB pennant races. Did anybody see that great game between the Diamondbacks and the Cubs earlier today? We're going to talk U.S. Open tennis. We might even talk Sepp Coos, looking like he's going to be the first American bicyclist to win a grand tour in a decade. Nah, just kidding. We're talking football today. NFL season officially underway with the Lions beating the Chiefs. 21-20 in a thriller last night on Thursday Night Football. We've got Friday Night Lights tonight. And then we've got the Grizz and the Cats playing on Saturday. Montana State especially. Got to be the FCS game of the week. Got to be one of the bigger FCS between FCS non-conference games in a long, long time. Number one, South Dakota State hosting number three, Montana State. Over there in Brookings, South Dakota, tomorrow, we're gonna kick the show off with Rajim Seabrook, our usual Friday co-host here on Nuanes Now, Coulter's out, Rajim's out as well. He's heading over to Helena uh, to help coach the Sentinel Spartans football team this evening. But Coulter and Rajim recorded uh, a gr- about a half hour earlier this week. A little bit about high school football. A little bit about the Montana Grizzlies opener against Butler. And then a lot about the NFL. So you'll get Regime's NFL division winner picks. Second segment, we're going to be joined by Ken Beezer. He's the athletic director down there in St. George, the Utah Tech athletic director. It's been an interesting couple of years for the Trailblazers there uh, as they move up to Division I, to the FCS. Uh, They had a name and branding change there. That's the school that a lot of, uh, I think, Grizz and Cat fans will know as Dixie State changed their name to Utah Tech in the last couple of years. We'll close out our number one with a little high school football talk, and we'll keep that rolling right into our number two with our Garden City Spotlight to kick off the top of our number two. We'll be joined by Missoula Loyola coach Todd Hughes for the first time on the Garden City Spotlight this year. Rams off to a 2-0 start. Two great games for Missoula Loyola, two really good close games for the Rams to kick off this season. We'll be joined by Todd Hughes. Uh, we'll also be joined by Missoula Hellgate coach Ryan Nelson. The Knights in Missoula tonight. And then we'll wrap up a little bit more across the sidelines. Jimmy Rogers, in his first year as head coach there at South Dakota State University, takes taking over for the great John Stegelmeyer, who you heard earlier this week on our ESPN roundtable. He was there for nearly three decades, but led the Jackrabbits to the national title a year ago. And then passes the team on to his longtime assistant, Jimmy Rogers. So we'll hear from the new South Dakota State head coach before the Jackrabbits host Montana State this weekend. We got to get to Rajim Seabrook, but before we do, got to celebrate a Floco Friday. Big thanks to Florence Coffee Company for their support. Uh, Normally you'd see Coulter and Rajim in there enjoying. The best that Florence Coffee Company has to offer. Both of those guys, big caffeine hounds. Uh, So we'd see them in there with a couple tall Americanos, maybe a Lotus or two. They're not in there, uh, but we did still want to shout out Florence Coffee Company. You know, it's football season. That means it's fall, and that means it's pumpkin spice season. Florence Coffee Company... Proud to offer uh, pumpkin spice drinks all fall long. Real pumpkin is the difference in Florence Coffee's annual favorites. Pumpkin lattes, chais, and frappes. They make their pumpkin drinks with real pumpkins, so they're smooth, satisfying, and taste like fall. Or you can try their all-natural pumpkin spice flavoring made from real spices and extracts. They take pumpkin seriously at Florence Coffee. Go Go visit any of the Florence Coffee Company kiosks throughout the Garden City or visit com. Here's Colton Juanez and Rajim Seabrook talking a little football.
0: Crazy week. We're doing some experimentation around here. You've been listening to me on the radio all week long, but I'm actually not even uh, in Missoula or in Montana at this point, a, uh, in the Grand Canyon. But we got you all the content you want, you need, and that you deserve <laughs> as we recorded so much of this stuff. I appreciate everybody for uh, hanging out with me and, and rolling with me. You're listening to this on a Friday. We're recording this on a Tuesday, but we're still going to talk about most of the same stuff as we would on a Friday. Rajim Seabrook kicking it in studio with me. What's up, man? How you living?
2: Well, it's kind of like a Marty McFly moment because it's back to the future (laughs) because I won't be in Missoula either, even though this will be broadcast from Missoula. I will be in Helena. So good morning, good day, good night, good afternoon. And... Hi, have what's you see, wrong? have
0: you seen this new Broadway play? That's like a rendition of Back to the Future. No,
2: I haven't either. No,
0: the New York Jets were on Hard Knocks, yeah, and at the, the very end, the last like B roll outro, whatever bloopers reel, they they went around and all of them were talking about their favorite Broadway plays because the guys that have been in New York for a little while, they're like, Hey, get over yourself. You think you don't like Broadway? You do. Just go check it out. Check it's so it out. Fun. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and they're all talking about it, but then they were all like, Man. The only one I've seen that's better than Wicked is the new Back to the Future, and I saw him And Thomas was saying it. Quentin Williams was saying it. I was—I was fascinated. I, I've never heard of this. I got to check it out. First yeah. of
2: all, Wicked was—is in my top three of all time.
0: See, I've—I've I've never seen Wicked. Brilliant. But I've heard
2: it's so good. Br- well, the book is better. Yeah. Um. The I read the book, then saw the play, then okay. read the book again, and then saw the play. Uh. So I went two for two on both. Yeah. Wicked. Hamilton and Cats were my three favorite. Hamilton, of
0: all time. very impressive. Haven't yes. seen Cats. Have seen Rent. Rent is really good oh, as yeah. well. Rent, rent.
2: Oh yes, uh, uh, yes Death sir. of a
0: Salesman is a good, uh, more of a play than it is a musical, but uh, yep. that's absolutely. Very good as well. yep. I'll always watch people performing, man. If you if you put in the time to be able to perform on a stage, oh yeah, it's worth watching.
2: Yeah, and another one of my favorites. My stepfather did the music. I uh, helped do the music for. Was bringing the noise, bringing the funk. Oh, good so, one. Yeah, you know it, man. Let's go.
0: Uh, so a couple things f- to recap before we talk about what's well, going to be a very exciting and fun NFL weekend upcoming. Oh, boy. Uh, but you, uh, thanks for coming to College Game Day this last week. I appreciate you being there. A lot of there, fun, Especially bud. after a long bus ride. I know we talked about it on that show, but let's talk about it on this show. Yeah. Uh, Sentinel went to Bozeman last week. You're coaching over there at Sentinel. Sentinel went to Bozeman last week, and uh, Gallatin's pretty good, man. They got uh, very good. They got some dudes, and uh, they're off to a 2-0 start after beating Sentinel 28-13 last week. your impressions of the Raptors? Uh,
2: like I said, on it has not wavered since Saturday, if, yeah. if anything. Now I, I have more energy surrounding my words. That is a well-oiled machine. They don't do anything spectacular, but what they do uh, incorporate, they do it very well. They're very sound. Um, it's a very... I would and please don't take this the right way or vilify me for this um it's a very white collar team like like it, I feel like I'm watching the Patriots the way it's organized but they have like this blue collar ethic they're sure. just rough and nasty so it's like if the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots can ah, have a love child it's kind of reminds it, I would say that's the Gallatin Raptors right now
0: Who Sentinel got this week remind me Helena oh so another powerhouse another game. powerhouse Helena's uh, yeah, yeah. also expected we got, to be one of the better teams in yeah, the state we have,
2: actually sorry we have capital people oh, say capital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same thing defending so, state champions defending so. state champions the last you know the guys that knocked us off so um yeah, you know the, this. This to me is a really important game um, because it, it it will reinvigorate, I think, the Sentinel program, but also kind of um, put some doubters aside, like. You know, it's not the Zach Cruz, Ryland, you know, or days of Sentinels past, but we're not, we're not, it's not a down and out year either. So yeah, a uh, good game on Friday night in the state's capital. Let's go. More on that coming up.
0: We previewed the Grizz game and we said all these things that we wanted to see right out the gates. I was thinking, well, dang, all the stuff I wanted to see is, is, was, was happening. Creative play calling, getting the ball in space. Eli Gilman ran a nice backside toss play for a first down. Junior Bergen gets a little inside screen, boom, takes it to the house six yards. It's like dang, okay, they they did it. They they figured out a way to get the ball in the playmaker's hands in their first two defensive stands. Swar, Solid baby, swarming, punching the ball out, all that all stuff, the, all the goods. And then they sort of it, it hit the doldrums, and then the the end of the first quarter through like the mid part of the third quarter, it, it was a very strange uh, game. To the Grizz credit, then they put in Clifton McDowell pretty much to finish the game. They were going back and forth between McDowell and Sam Vidlak. Vidlak threw a couple picks. I already Mm -hmm. said this on the show this week, but it's always the quarterback's fault, but it's also never the quarterback's fault sometimes, too. I mean, the first pick, he threw a dime, and sorry, just it bounced right off his hands. And And popped up. That was not on Vidlak. Butler Butler intercepts it, right? And then the second one, he's getting smashed on the backside because somebody missed a pass protection block. It's like, okay, you know, again, it is the quarterback's responsibility at the end of the day to take care of the ball, but also you got blocked for the guy better. So I, I do think that he got a little bit uh unfairly scrutinized. Regardless, they went with the big boy Clifton McDowell down the stretch and they ran a bunch of inside zone and they pounded the rock, they they pull away, they, they score 14 unanswered, they win thirty-five to twenty. So good start, good finish. Very mediocre in the middle. Is middle that, eight is was that, bad. Is that as a testament to the first game uh, stuff that goes on?
2: Well, I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head in some regards, Colter. That first game blues, like you don't know what's going on. Uh, you don't really know your opponent, but... I mean, I said it to you and I said it to other friends in the community. Like, that's a good team. Like, that team, good. Butler's good. They're not
0: scholarship, but guess what? I mean, that quarterback would be the starting quarterback of most schools in the big sky. I mean, he's sweet. Brad Puska was
2: sweet. Like, legit, my friend. And uh, they just, they they played well. And I don't think, uh, I, I don't think Montana was ready for that, like just mentality-wise possibly, was like, you know, okay, it's just Butler. You know, like they may beat us in basketball, but we'll school them in football. And the middle eight of the game was just not good. And what I mean by that was uh, is, is the the last eight minutes of the second quarter and the first eight minutes of the third quarter, the middle eights were just not good for Montana. Uh, and they they got exposed. There was just some lack of discipline, even on the defensive side, like just missed tackles, reach tackles, just stuff that, um you know, Bobby and company are definitely going to clean up, but they were just some things that were uncharacteristic uh, of, of of the program on display. But first game that will will we'll let uh, swipe it clean and uh, not a soup can opponent either. So uh, I thought it was a good game outside of that. Butler did.
0: Brad Burke joining us here on to Yeah. Now. Butler also did a bunch of stuff up front. I think Montana wasn't expecting, and that's not for a lack of preparation by the Grizz. That's just what happens when you play a first totally. game. Totally. Uh, they were. Butler's play a lot of line games up front and. Mm-hmm. That's particularly perplexing for a, uh, the offensive scheme the Grizz run. They run so much of a, a zone-blocking scheme. Mm-hmm. Feeling it out and finding the way. I, if you want to know how to really analyze the Grizz run game, the best way to gauge success is, is it getting way better as the game goes on? Mm-hmm. Because the you have to find the matchups and stuff, and then, okay, here's how they're lining up, here's what we're going to do, here's how we're going to adjust, then can we grind them into right. dust? Right. I think people wanted Montana to run the ball a lot better early, but then they ran the ball really well late. And uh, so I think that's just a, a sort of a, uh, a repercussion of exactly what the – the fueling out process was like up front.
2: Yeah. There's just, you know, sometimes you can't, you can't replicate that in a practice the way an an opponent will do that. And in this case, there were just some adjustments that weren't made and some adjustments that weren't made. And that's just the end of it. Uh, I'm sure that going forward, they will be better prepared for that. But I also think going forward, some other teams may start incorporating that as well to try to um, thwart some things up front. Last thing about the
0: Grizz, and then we'll talk some NFL. Yes, please. Um, the The list of guys that I enjoyed seeing have breakout games uh, included. Oh boy, Eli Gilman, who I've I've said is going to be a breakout guy, and and he was him he 100, was 119 very good. yards and a touchdown. He he's 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 a stud. He's going to be a, a freak athlete for the Grizz for uh, a long time to come. I thought Cale uh, Edwards seems to have taken the next step, the big defensive end. Oh yeah, uh, who was good last year, but he played really well. He had three tackles for loss and a forced fumble. Ryder Meyer was a pleasant surprise in the secondary. Yes,
1: I agree. Uh,
0: He had team-high 13 tackles. He got off blocks really, really well. Flying everywhere. And then my guy, I always try to identify a Grizz on special teams because it's such a huge part of Bobby Houck's culture. Mm -hmm. Who's the guy that's going to run down like a kamikaze and just go go crazy and blow up the the wedge and and smack the ball carrier? Sometimes it takes a couple times. This game, uh, this season opener, I found my guy instantly. Vince Genitone completely destroyed the wedge and completely destroyed the Butler kick returner on the very first kick of the game. And then I watched him for the rest of the time and that he's a, he's an exceptional uh, weapon on special teams. Kid from North Platte, Nebraska, tiny little town, but uh, a kid when they were recruiting him, not really ever heard of a guy with this sort of resume. He's a state champion in Nebraska, in the hundred meters and he was also a state champion at 225 pounds in wrestling. Not very many guys are state champion wrestlers that also have sprinter speed Vince Genitone does.
2: He's good. number forty-five is the guy I'm going to be watching on the kick. Do you know how dangerous that is? Like for when, sure. you, when you when you think of like speed, velocity, for sure, low uh, body position, so on and so forth. That's like a fire hydrant being going through a huge slingshot. For sure, like not a bullet, not a not a missile, but just this blunt object that's going to blow your back out. It, 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 and I,
0: right. al- I always love wrestlers, too, because wrestlers are such a great developmental project because once they stop wrestling, you can just put on so much weight because you've been trying to cut your weight. Yeah. Now you can just eat and lift, and you don't have to worry about sweating it all off. So you can go from 215 to
2: 245 pretty dang quick. Oh, Yeah. That's me every every <laughs> six months,
0: buddy. Yeah, let's go. Over and over we go as we ride the roller coaster. Reggie Siebert kicking it with us here uh, on your Friday. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's Nwana's Now, ESPN Radio, uh, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Uh, we've gotten division winner picks. From pretty much everybody, but I haven't gotten yours. We played a lot of NFL games. We have talked a lot of NFL. Let's go through it, division by division, and uh, get your picks and uh, argue about it a little bit. We'll uh, start in the AFC. We'll start with the AFC. We'll start with the AFC West. Who you got winning the AFC West? <laughs>
2: who, who, Whoever, who, who
0: everyone has winning the AFC uh,
2: West? Yeah, the guys wearing Hellgate's colors. Let's go. That's my son's <laughs> teams. Uh, you know, it's the Kansas City Chiefs, baby. Let's I, go. I
0: tried to be a, a cute, smart contrarian. Last year and picked the Chargers to win the division that got thrown in my face pretty darn quick. I mean, the Chargers were good last year; they made playoffs. But dude, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I know. I know. Now well, I I've met your mom, dude. Like <laughs> I know you were raised better than that. Come on. Well, now, now I know. I always I, I thought that you know, when when you have these these hot streaks. They can't last forever, but the Chiefs have one of the great hot streaks going in NFL history. I mean, they made the championship game five times, they made the Super Bowl three times, they won the Super Bowl twice. Okay, that's one of the greatest runs yeah, ever. Ever. I just I thought that in year four and year five of that they would hit a speed bump, and then they didn't. So now I totally believe that it'll be just sustainable. Now I, they're they're the AFC favorites it's, for until Patrick Mahomes' contract's over.
2: In which is what's going to eventually knock the wheels off the wagon. No, for sure. But that's another story for another day. But that's the thing, though, man. I thought that, too,
0: but now they proved... They can win the Super Bowl with like undrafted running backs. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco Pacheco. didn't even get drafted. Like,
2: I picked him up in fantasy last night, man. Good, I mean, he's he's he's, a good flex. He'll be he's a good flex. Great flex. He'll
0: be uh, productive for sure. Yes, sir. Uh, All right, so we're definitely on the same on the West. How about the uh, the AFC South? I think this is one of the worst divisions.
2: Who cares? Right? Like, I'm going to be Jacksonville. Jacksonville Jacksonville's, gotta the, be Jackson, Jacksonville's
0: the favorite. Uh that's the easy pick. Yeah, it's the low-hanging fruit. If the Titans bounce back or if the Titans can find some sort of semblance and like let's say Malik Willis can emerge and beat out Ryan Tannehill that could give the Titans some juice. The Titans also have a very good coach. I mean, people forget the Titans were the number one seed two years ago. Yeah. They're ferocious defensively. They have one of the best backs in the league.
2: Which might, this might be the last year we, yeah, we'll we see. see King Henry, man. I uh, I don't, we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. The Titans, to me, are, are not going to win this. The
0: Texans are one of the worst teams in the league, so they're definitely not going to win. Uh, yeah. The Titans maybe. I, I think the Titans are one of the gray area teams. They could be a 10-win team and they could be a 7-win team. True. Just depending on how stuff goes. True. I was totally out on the Colts, but then I was thinking about it the other day. Anthony Richardson is gonna take his lumps. He's gonna be the youngest starting quarterback in NFL history. History, I know. He's also the freakiest athlete. And I mean, he has the he had the fastest combine, the best vertical jump. He had all the best tests of of any quarterback ever. The light bulb's gonna come on for the kid. It's just a matter of when does it happen. But I don't think it's gonna happen to the tune of them getting ten, eleven wins. But I, I, I was thinking the Colts were fast tracking towards like a top five pick again, if they. If he turned it on a little bit late and figured it out, they could be a 500 team. I don't know. Like I don't think the Colts are as bad as I thought.
2: Well, you said turning on a light bulb going off several times in your last comment, Colter. <laughs> the fact is, is he's playing against grown bleeping men right oh, yeah, now. yeah, that's right. The light bulb's going to get smashed before it ever gets turned on, <laughs> all right? Like, like, truth be told, there's just – he's – his learning curve, I think, is going to be very steep regardless of his uh, physical acumen and what's in his wheelhouse. The pieces around him aren't, um, aren't going to make him jump off the charts anytime soon. I think he, I think he has an interesting future. As far as the quarterback for the Colts, especially if they try to nature and nurture him, not try to rush the product out onto the field too fast, so to say. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I, I don't think the Colts are, 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 are anywhere near ready to be talked about, um, in the, outside of a, maybe a six win season for them. But, uh, going back to the top of the question to before we segue into the next it's, it's got to be Jacksonville, and I think Mr. Lawrence is going to take a another huge step in his uh, his development and career.
0: Well, GC Brook talking all things NFL here on nuanas now. Uh, how about the AFC North? I think this is the best division in the NFL.
2: Like this, man. This is a tough one. This is this I is a, a very 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 um, tough situation because Joe Burrow and the boys are legit. That team. I mean, that yep. team is stacked. Yep. Um, and if they can clean up their offensive line woes, they are going to be. Very formidable. As of now, they are the only team that I think are the major threat to knocking off Mahomes and company. I think the minor threat in AFC are the Bills, but we'll talk about that here momentarily. I think that uh, I, I think that the Bengals are it. The Ravens actually intrigue me. Um, why
0: fix the Ravens?
2: It, interesting. Um, why don't you give? Why don't you give your point And if it's you know doesn't align with the force in mind, I can give a good counterpoint.
0: Well, I I, I just I think that the Bengals and the Ravens are going to be two of the top five teams in the AFC. I mean, I think the, the battle for the number one seed is between the Chiefs, the Bills, and then the, the Ravens and the Bengals. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, th- I think that the winner of this division could be the the number one seed, maybe. Or, or you know, certainly a top two or three seed. Without a doubt. And, and I do think that, the, you know, the Ravens could be a 12-win team and the Bengals could be an 11-win team and then the Bengals could be the one to make the deep playoff run. I think the Bengals are very, very good. Mm-hmm. I just think that... Lamar Jackson had so much drama last year and mm-hmm. now he doesn't. He's yeah. got his contract. He's got receivers. Yeah. They're back to, you know. Salty on D. I mean, John Harbaugh's a hell of a coach. They've yes. got great defensive players. They got a great yes. line. They got now they got all these weapons on offense. I just think uh, a secure Calm, fluid. Lamar Jackson is uh, is going to be a real deal MVP candidate.
2: I you know I agree with everything you're saying. I think the only thing that I put an asterisk next to your statement is culture. Is can he stay healthy? Sure. Uh, the, that's last the same two- thing
0: with Burrow though. I'm so interested if this calf injury is really a calf injury or not,
2: or is it the dreaded high ankle sprain? Yeah, right? like something or the, the that- Achilles. Or the Ooh, but boy. that's
0: the thing about the NFL. in the NBA they they fudge it all the time. In the NFL you can't. You literally get fined if you're misreporting yeah. injuries.
2: Yeah. There's just there's there's creative ways you can. That's true. I'm not gonna call them liars, but there's some creative truth tellers out there. Sure. But yeah, I um we'll see. I do like the fact that you know for the first time uh, Lamar Jackson has a, you know what was the highest wide receiver draft pick he's ever had? Maybe fourth round? Yeah. And now now he got a first round. Now he got a first one. And, you know, an old Odell is still better than some of these young cats out there. So I think he helps Lamar Jackson out. And to me, um, Mr. Andrews' tight end is is ridiculous and not spoken about enough in um, in the tight end circles. So, um, yeah, I like your pick. Um, I'm going to go with the Bengals on that one. AFC East. Toss up, man. I can you can go push. Does Aaron Rodgers get the Jets in that really good defense uh over the hump and 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 take this division away? Or does uh you know T Square and you know Mr. Tua, you know, keep my name out your mouth, uh you know, the lethal lefty, uh um get the fins where they need to be. Um I like I like them completely as a program, um, outside of their colors. But uh <laughs> no, I, 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 I gotta I gotta go Miami right now. Just thinking Miami. I'm thinking Miami. Well, what about Buffalo? Well, I you know I, I think I think B- B- Buffalo is th- there. I know you know Buffalo is going to make is going to get into the playoffs. I think Miami has something that no one's talking about, and I think do. I think that. Um, you know, Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers just kind of overshadow the rest of the division, and I think that Miami's is 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 that cousin that you kind of want to hang out with when 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 you're on the wrong side of town, but when you're at home, you don't want the cousin in the house. You know, he, they <laughs> you know, my, it's it says Mike Motz, my man, Mike Motz would say they're bad company, and they can come in and beat Buffalo. They can come in and beat Aaron Rodgers and. Um, Until we see Aaron Rodgers stack the cheddar in New York, you know it's still the Jets. It's still one of the most dysfunctional, historically speaking, teams, and uh, he hasn't done anything there yet for me to kind of put him and cement him in that place because it's the Jets. Well,
0: I think that uh, from a betting perspective, I think this is the funnest, most fun division to bet because I think you could you can. You can put a little coin on the Dolphins or the Jets, and you definitely have a chance to win that bet. They, they Either one totally could win this division. Absolutely. And you're going to get them at plus odds because the Bills were the favorites to win it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Bills were so good, and and they were so close to getting over the top two years ago. Mm-hmm. Then last year they were good, but you could tell, like, Brian Dable being gone and now being in New York. And Shane I mean, those guys—they put the the correct amount of reins on Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Then there wasn't as much of a rein on Josh Allen, and it, that's his biggest weakness. It's his biggest strength. He's freelancing, throwing the ball over the place, but sometimes he just makes dumb throws. Yeah. And Dable had had him a little bit more contained. So I don't know. It's a big year for the Bills. I think.
2: I think I think it's a it's a make or break year for them. I think. Um, Stefan Diggs continues to be passively cantankerous um, <laughs> in, in, in some ways and I think that the 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 culture there is kind of shifting like hey guys we should have won this two years ago or maybe three years ago and we're just not there and I think that um, the brain trust that is now in the house of the New York Giants going back to Dable and Shane it's um, it's impacted them all you know already two years removed so um, yeah I'm looking at the fins right now and I know I'm gonna get some hate mail on that.
0: Noah, it's now ESPN Radio. Let's talk some NFC then. Rajim Seabrook. Let's go. Giving some uh, division-by-division picks. All right, let's start out west. Uh, there's only two teams to pick from in the NFC West.
2: The Cardinals not just playing.
0: I <laughs> think <laughs> the Cardinals are fast tracking towards the number one
2: pick. Uh, yeah, that's called grease fire, and everyone keeps pouring it's, diesel on it to try to put it out.
0: Cardinals and the Texans are the uh, the primary front runners for the uh, the number one
2: pick next oh, oh, year. Just oh, oh god, it's so bad. Um, I'm going to go with Seattle. I think Geno wow. Smith. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's my thing: the quarterback situation in San Francisco is so unsettling that. You, you you don't know what you're gonna have until you know what you have, and right now, Geno Smith had a great resurgence. Um, I still like DK Metcalf a lot, and I like the clarified aspects of what's going on in that defense, uh, that offensive backfield for Seattle. I think there's a lot to build off of, and I think Geno Smith is finally hitting his stride um, in his career and in his development. And I think that uh, I think Seattle comes back to kind of overtake a, a weaker division right now.
0: One of the most fun parts and one of my favorite parts about Geno Smith being so good is that Russell Wilson complained and cried forever about how all of the offensive deficiencies of the Seahawks were because of the various OCs that they went through under Pete Carroll. And, and then they get rid of Russell Wilson and Geno Smith breaks all Russell Wilson's franchise right. <laughs> Her passing yards and stuff. It looks better than Russell Wilson. They were catering some stuff to Russell Wilson and... You think? Make make no mistake. You think? The conservative nature of the offense was held back by multiple parties, but the quarterback, Russell Wilson, was certainly complicit in their struggles. Oh, boy. And Geno Smith being good now shows exactly that. Uh, Okay, you're on the Seahawks. I'm on the 49ers. Uh, I know that there's some uh, tumult when it comes to their quarterback position. But I just think that they have the best defense in the NFC, and uh, they got ridiculous skill
2: players across the. Oh, board. Rid- yeah, their skill players are ridiculous. Just who's going to get them the rock? Yep. Uh, does 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 Purdy come back from a horrific like that's not just a, a run of the mill injury it's a that bad injury. that's a bad injury. And when you look at how um, the the offense is geared, like you're slinging that arm a lot. Yep. And the arm that got injured, like can can it withstand that? And uh, when you look at their schedule, dude. He's gonna get smacked up. Like some sure. of like the opponents that he faces, even the bad teams, they all have good edge and pass rushes. Like you, 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 you know, like he's pretty good. But it could also be pretty bad, yeah. pun intended. Uh, so we'll see. I just, uh, I, I just don't know. But I do like the pieces around them. I like, uh, I like Ayuk. I like uh, big O Debo and, and McCaffrey and, and George Kittle. You know, the Viking trying to get to Valhalla someday <laughs> is a ridiculous tight end as well. So I, 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 until we know who the real trigger man is and we see some win stack, um, I'm going with Seattle.
0: NFC South. It's funny to me that the uh, epicenter of the college football world is always in the South, and then you look at the NFL and the two worst divisions of the Southern divisions, AFC South and NFC South. (laughs) Uh, The NFC South... Man, I mean, I don't, Who cares? I don't I don't really think the Saints are going to be very good, but I nope. can't imagine them, anybody else to pick to win the division because I don't think that Carolina, Atlanta, or Tampa Bay is close to being good.
2: No, um, I, I think there are so many players in this division individually that are going to be fun to watch. No, for sure. But, like, the collective, I mean... Carolina
0: this... could be fun because Frank Gregg's a good coach and totally. they got the number one overall pick totally. Bryce Young, but he's also 21 years old and he's tiny, and so how's it going to work out for him? I don't know.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, Derek Carr in New Orleans, like... Not really interested in seeing that, but I really like Chris Olave. Like, yeah. what, like, and you know the Saints are going to be without Kamara for a few games to open yep. up the season. So like, it's a weak division. Um, if I had to pick someone right now, it would have. Oh God, I just, I, I, ugh, I don't know. Hell in a high. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 it's gotta be the Saints. It's gotta be the Saints. Yeah. Sadly, you know, it it, it kind of reminds me of a. Uh, was 10 12 years ago when uh, the Saints got in with a 6 and 10 record. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be you ju- you won your division so you automatically you get that automatic bid into the playoffs, but um it's just it's a really bad division this year.
0: NFC North, uh, the Lions are the sort of the darling favorites. Everybody thinks the Packers are going to be bad. I actually
2: don't think the Packers are going to be bad. I don't think they're going to be good, but I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be okay. I think I think what I, the Packers are gonna be different for the yeah. first time in almost two decades. For sure. Right. So I, I I think people are going to be a little um it's a new inoculation. Mm. It's a, it's the second COVID shot. You know what I mean? Um you're just gonna you, it's gonna it's it's gonna be a little different. Yeah. Um I'm gonna go with Detroit right now. I, I like Amon St. Ra St. Brown Amon Ra St. Brown. Right. Um th- th- I think Detroit is trending upward. Um, I gotta and 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 I, I don't think the Bears get out of their own shadow yet either. So um, and Minnesota is just the master of mediocrity. Like are they gonna be there? so interesting that the Vikings went thirteen
0: and four last
2: year. Yep. But
0: then lost in the playoffs and everybody's just like, yeah, the Minnesota's not good. They're gonna be bad. They're I mean they're a fascinating team. They I are. I am not on Kirk Cousins at all. I don't think he can get you over the top. They also proved they could win. I mean, they won one more one score games last year than anybody in the NFL has in the last ten years. They won 11 one score games. I mean they were dead in the water against Buffalo. They came all the way back. They were I mean they were down 35-0 to Indianapolis and came all the way back and won an overtime. So they figure out a way to pull it out. I think Kevin O'Connell's a good coach. I think Justin Jefferson is the best player in the NFL.
2: Oh, dude, I got him last night, first round, first pick. I mean, how do you not, right? How do you not? I was great. But I doing? also understand
0: why people would say the Vikings are going to fall back down to earth and just be a sort uh-huh. of middle-of-the-road team. So I don't know. I It's the one thing in the world I have a, a, I, a little bit of a bias towards because it's the only thing I root for left. But I also, <laughs> totally, I also totally could see the Vikings just... Falling down and just being seven and 10 this year. I totally could see it.
2: It could happen, man. I, I mean, d-
0: they over under win total is seven and a half. I think that's exactly accurate. Uh,
2: yes. Yeah, so I would, I would, I, yeah, you, you could, you could push for one more in either direction, right. actually. So right.
0: they might hit the over, but they, you know, it's still to <laughs> be an eight
2: nine team. So yeah, I, yeah, I have, I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, I, I, I would sit down and have a cup of like green tea with him and go to like Home Depot with him. <laughs> Right. But I don't If
0: we're making s'mores in the backyard, great. Oh, dude. You know, you want to drink some light beers? I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Have a little book club yeah. action. you know. Right? Like pick my kids up. It's all can good. I, I'll
2: I'll share my cardigan collection with you. You share your V-Net collection with me. Like, we're good, but not, not I don't <laughs> just that's not my quarterback, son. Yeah. One word, four letters. Next.
0: <laughs> well, us now Dow ESPN radio regime super kicking with us. All right, let's so go. Right, we got to the NFC East. Your your division, you're a giants guy. Uh, first of all. Well, You're not going to pick the Giants. I know that, right? What?
2: Of course I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but what do you
0: think of the Giants' prospects? Because th- this is the other team that the prognosticators are saying is going to go down. Everybody's, everybody that's making predictions is saying the two teams that are, were playoff teams a year ago
2: that aren't going to be are the Giants and the Vikings. I think the Giants repeat exact, almost exactly the same season. Yeah. And they repeat that same season, and they're one of those teams that actually don't get in with that record. You know how there's always always that one weird team that's like, they have a winning record, but they don't get into the playoffs? Yeah. It's the Giants this coming Mm, year. Interesting. Um, Who wins this? Come on, man. You already know. Jalen Hurts, my team every year.
0: I mean, they're the second-best team in the NFL.
2: Period. Right? Period.
0: I mean, period. More than any other year that I can really remember, I think it would be a a crazy surprise this year if we
2: didn't have a, a rematch in the Super Bowl. Oh, it's like, this is like watching my son play Madden. It's the same two teams in it every year.
0: And, and then I think the only things that I think could sort of knock that off is if Brock Purdy's really good and San Francisco can beat Philadelphia. Yes. Or if Joe Burrow or could beat the Kansas Bills. City. yeah. That, uh, if Joe Burrow can, Joe Burrow's, I think, the only guy that could, if the Chiefs have home field advantage in Kansas City, the only guy that can go into to Arrowhead and win is Joe Burrow. He's the only he's, guy that's proved it so far, it. at least. He's done it. And, uh... You know, the the Eagles were flat dominant last year, but they also got rolled in the NFC Championship game because they didn't have a quarterback. No. So they definitely want to run it back. That's the only really thing. No, I mean, it, it would be surprising to me if it wasn't a rematch in the Super Bowl. It would also be a surprise to me if it wasn't a rematch in the championship games.
2: No, it, it it would be like deja vu all over again, just like this show for us when we listen to it on Friday, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, Jalen Hurts and company are going to do it. They, that defense is ridiculous. The offense is just going to get better. And I think that Jalen Hurts, every time I've seen this guy deal with some adversity of getting punched in the face, professionally, personally, that next year, he comes back like 10 times better than before. Yeah. And I think that he is, I think losing for him is the best form of inoculation. Mm. And I think that this guy comes back and he takes the NFC by storm. Let's go. Well,
0: it's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Way less arguing than I thought. We actually pretty much agree on all of it. Uh, maybe a little bit of delineation in the AFC North and the AFC East, uh, but pretty much everybody else, we are uh, we're on the same squad. So uh, love it. Uh, I, I do actually. The one I would push back on is the NFC West. I think the Niners are going to be really good again. Uh, but other than that, uh, that's sort of exactly where we're at.
2: Thanks for swinging by, man. This is fun. Oh, man. I love you. I love this. Best time of the year. Best time of the year, baby. You know what's up, man. It's tw- it's 17 weeks of Christmas. <laughs> That's cool. Known as the NFL. Uh,
0: more Nuwana's now. South Dakota State head coach Jimmy Rogers joins us to preview the game of the week on the national level. Montana State going to Brookings. We'll talk to SDSU's headband right after this.
3: you listen, listening to Nuwana's now. Andrew Houghton riding with you here on your Friday. Thanks to Rajim Seabrook for giving us the time. Rajim's a busy man this fall, uh, coaching as he always does with Sentinel football. He's got his kids, uh, but he still gives us some time to give you some entertainment here uh, on your Friday. Big thanks to those guys. A little bit of a switch up. I know Coulter said that Jimmy Rogers was going to be next. We're actually going to go and talk to Utah Tech AD Ken Beezer after the break. Uh, So instead of talking to an opponent for the Montana State Bobcats this weekend, we'll talk to the AD for the school that's playing the Montana Grizzlies, Ken Beezer, right after this. You're listening to Nwana's Now ESPN Radio. (laughs)
0: and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschulteilaw.com.
2: One, two, three. One now
3: on ESPN Radio. Who? Mike Jones. Bringing you back here on One is Now. You're listening on 102.9 ESPN Missoula as well as SWX Montana Television or the ESPN MT app. I'm Andrew Houghton bringing in Nuanez now to close the week out here. Coulter Nuanez on a little vacation. He'll be down in St. George, Utah watching the Montana Grizzlies visit the Utah Tech Trailblazers on Saturday. He also caught up with Utah Tech AD Ken Beezer earlier this week. Well, our lead-up coverage to Montana's football game at Utah Tech
0: continues. And we're joined now by the athletic director there at Utah Tech, Ken Beezer, joins us here on Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio. Ken, thanks for taking some time. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on your show. First of all, uh, you, you've been there at Utah Tech um, for a handful of years. Uh, I'm so excited to come down and, and check out St. George. I've heard nothing but good things. What's this last handful of years been like, though, because uh, for, whether it's the transition with the name change from Dixie State to Utah Tech or the move from Division II up to Division I, a lot of things have been going on for the Trailblazers in terms of the football realm. Just take us through sort of the broad picture of it all. I mean, what's what's it been like to be a part of?
1: Yeah, you know, you you you've mentioned it. You know, you kind of highlighted it in, in your intro right there, but everything has been in transition. I mean, from the community to the university, to the athletics uh, department as well. Now it's a handful of years. I've been the athletic director now for about a year and a half here. Um, I, but I've been here through the whole transition. I um, I came here as the director of development uh, for the uh, for the university and then uh, transitioned back into athletics here a year and a half ago. But So I've been through all the change, uh, more specifically right now, the athletic department, and it really is an exciting time. Um, it's kind of nerve wracking as you're trying to get budgets and everything to, to match, but um, it's been a great experience for me here to be associated with the university at this time. Well, it seems, uh, you're
0: living in Montana, we see these lists all the time of the fastest growing places in the country, and there's several towns in Montana on there always, but there's also usually several places in Utah. I think people have discovered that living in uh, living out west and living in Utah, and Montana is a pretty good way of life. St. George is a place I know that has grown quite a bit over the last 10, 15 years. So when you have a community that's that's growing and vibrant, how does that help uh, when you're making this transition up to Division One and trying to build, you know, a viable FCS football
1: program? It helps from the standpoint you have more numbers to work with in the community. Obviously, everything is, you know, kind of built around attendance and game attendance, and what we're trying to make that work here. The challenge is, is that with so many people coming into the community, they already come in with their ready-made um, universities that they follow. Right. And so, you know, in the state of Utah, you're always battling the BYU and the Utah. So a lot of the people from up along what we call the Wasatch Front, who transitioned down here, they still have their loyalties to those schools and uh, Ohio state, uh, Nebraska, wherever they come from. And we're trying to get them to buy into what we're doing. You know, I, I, I've been, I've been associated with the biggest guy for many years, whether I was at SUU, I actually played football at Weber state. And so I've been to, you know, Missoula and Bozeman And always been impressed with the the local following you have and and just, you know, the strength of your community around the program. And that is what we're trying to build here is get people to buy into what we're doing to where, you know, I'm okay if you're a BYU and Utah fan, go ahead and cheer for them. But we want you cheering for us as well. And that's what we're trying to do is model a lot what you're doing there in Missoula.
0: It's fascinating to try to uh, go about attacking all of that, right? And I've I've talked to people at Weber State. I've talked to people at Southern Utah. I know you had some ties to Southern Utah as well. And uh, sports is huge in Utah. And people love sports. They love college sports. But there also is so many different draws to the attention, whether it's BYU, Utah, Weber, Southern Utah, now Utah Tech. So how do you go about... You know, I guess, what are, what are some reasons why people should buy into Utah Tech? What are some selling points for, uh, to sort of get people
1: on your, your bandwagon? I guess, you know, culture. it's the upside. Totally. Uh, I have been, I've been to a lot of universities, and uh, even Washington State University. I spent time there at Washington State. And I've never been at an institution that's future is so bright, and everything, everything is new here. We're adding degrees. I mean, multiple degrees every year here as we're to build this. It wasn't too long ago we were a junior college. Um, and the community, you know, talking a little bit about the growth of the community, if we continue at this same rate, I saw a report that if, if St. George continues at the same rate of growth by the year 2035 will be the size of Pittsburgh. Whoa. Yeah. And that's just, and that's what's remarkable about it. And so, Look at the upside, look at the growth. Now, we've got a long ways to go with our programs. We're entering right now our fourth and final year of the transition to Division One, Um and we, we, we've got a long ways to go, but we're going to get there, and I think we're going to get there faster than most institutions could who are in a similar situation.
0: Ken Beezer joining us here. On Nuanas now. He's the executive director of intercollegiate athletics at Utah Tech. The Trailblazers host the Montana Grizzlies on Saturday night there in St. George, Utah. We're making the trip down. Excited to check out St. George. Excited to check out uh, all things Utah Tech. The growing community, obviously, certainly a big advantage. St. George, a desirable place to live. What other sort of advantages has helped make Utah Tech, uh, has has helped make this transition viable? I mean, you mentioned it was a junior college not long ago. So what are sort of the things that have given the the university's administration faith to continue to grow and and continue to build and continue to try to
1: to move forward? Well, because of the growth here, what what we're finding is is a real influx of, of tech. And you know, tech companies coming into the area, and, and hence one of the reasons for the transition, the name change, is is by the companies that are coming in here, and the, and the growth uh, that we're having, not only with you know uh, people coming here just to live and retire, but also to come in here to to start and build upon their companies that they have. So so that's helping us in a way. Uh, in fact, there's going to be a press release going out here. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be today or tomorrow. Um, about, you know, with our third party marketing group we have, we, we became their first million dollar uh, institution um, with our corporate sponsorships, and we did that in less than three years. And, and so that is one of the reasons to buy into it, just the momentum. You know, you get a lot of people that uh, want to jump on bandwagons, and this is one that we feel um, we can continue to build and do so at a, at a, at a fast rate
0: what what if any have been some of the the challenges that you guys have faced any any obstacles or hurdles you guys have faced along the way here
1: yeah uh, there's a lot I mean first and foremost is the name change Totally. Um, we're, we're still yeah we're still facing a backlash in the community um with with some of the the, the natives around here about the name change um You know, they didn't want to change. And you're going to come in here. um, Coulter sounds like you're going to be here this weekend. You're still going to see, you know, Dixie here, Dixie there. And this is known as Utah's Dixie. And uh, they're proud of it. I mean, that's what the original settlers did. They, um, you know, they tried to grow grow cotton down here. And a lot of them came from the south. And it's just kind of one of those. Those well, things that um, when we change the name of the institution, we're still trying to get back uh, some of the you know the you know, those who grew up here and have family roots that go here are way back, uh, trying to get them back involved. That that's been a challenge. Uh, another challenge is just the changing demographics and and structure of the NCAA. Totally. As I was telling I was telling somebody, it's like they keep moving the goalpost on us when we came in as a division one, made that announcement going division one, these were the benchmarks and metrics you had to hit and that just keeps moving and um, it's becoming increasingly difficult. And you know, the NIL and the transfer transfer portal affects everybody, but where our institution has not been eligible for postseason play and we're still not for this year, um, we've become actually just a, a feeding frenzy for, for teams. That, you know, we, we have, you know, some good athletes here, and teams come in and grab them saying, hey, you'll never be able to play for a national championship if you stay there. So so come over, and we've lost a lot of student athletes um, through that. So it, that's been a challenge um, is, you know, like I said, it, the, the transfer portal and NIL is a challenge for everyone, even more so when you're transitioning school, that you can't participate in NCAA tournaments, or at least we can't for another year, and uh, that's, a, that's a big thing. that's a big selling point for student athletes and a reason for them to jump ship.
0: Ken Bezer joining us here on Nuanas now. He's the athletic director at Utah Tech. The Trailblazers host the Montana Grizzlies on Saturday night. It, from our perspective, too, Ken just just analyzing football in the West, I mean there's only. I guess until recently, there was only three Division I playing football conferences uh, that are totally in the West. And and now who knows what's going to become of the remainders from the Pac-12 and uh, and what happens with the Mountain West and all that sort of stuff. But it also seems like that's an opportunity to have sort of a solidification of a lot of the, the uh, main football playing schools in the West and, and maybe some sort of realignments and stuff. So, I mean, as the carousel continues to spin, how do you sort of find the right place for for Utah Tech, especially just as a football playing school in the West?
1: You know, that's you know, everybody's looking at and trying to see what's what the landscape is going to look like when all the des, dust settles uh, from the from these transitions. And what I tell our president, I said, you know, what we need to do is just make sure that we are a viable and healthy, um, not only football program but but institution and, and department. Um, to make sure that we're always on on that cutting edge. And and so we've got a lot of projects going on. In fact, the day before, you know, we host Montana this Saturday. Um, We're we're ribbon cutting for our completely remodeled weight room and nutrition center um, that we're going to be doing. And that's been a major project that we've uh, been able to complete here just recently. And so that's what we try to do is just um, provide, make sure that we're providing the best opportunities for our student athletes um, to where we're attractive to uh, recruit and retain, you know, student athletes, but also to this, with this realignment going on the conferences, that we can bring something to the table, um, you know, if and when those opportunities arise.
0: Well, the last thing I want to ask you about is, is just Montana coming to town now. Tell us how this game came about. I know that it's a, Sort of a three for one. You guys will come to Missoula several times, and and Montana comes down to St. George for the first time ever. So, um, how did this this game sort of get rolling? And what do you think of just the opportunity to host, um, you know, one of the most tradition laden football programs in the FCS?
1: Yeah, my predecessor was the one that that signed the initial agreement um, with Montana as as we as we went Division One. He, you know, he jumped in and started. Uh, you know, getting games and he booked games clear out to 2029 uh, because at that time we didn't have a conference, and so he he was booking any game we could get, and so he hooked up with you know with Kent there and uh, got the deal done. What it means to bring Montana in here is we we are all aware of the storied you know football history that Montana has. And, you know, my experience in Montana goes way back, and some of my favorite people, I mean, well, one, Kent Haslam was one of my favorite individuals in the profession, one of the good guys, and Kent and I go way back, um, but, you know, go back to my favorite football coach of all time. I got a chance to work with the Utah State with Mick Dennehy, um, and I really, really like him, and uh, he and Sheila were my wife's uh, best friend. Um, and then, you know, right now you got Tim and Bobby Houck. I mean, they were on the football team of Montana when I was playing at Weber State. Um, so the, the storied history of Montana and bringing them in here, in essence, legitimizes our position as a Division One, you know, FCS program. When you have a, a team with the history of Montana coming in here, as I tell all of our, all of our fans, I said you need to go to a game at either, in either Missoula or Bozeman to see what support looks like. And, um, and I told him this week, I said, I want you to come to the game this week to see the support they get on the road. I mean, I, I have people who reside here in St. George calling me for tickets because they're, you know, they're Montana grads. And they just want to support their team. I said earlier, that's where we want to be as an institution. We've got some ways to go. But having Montana and the Grizz roll in here this Saturday, I think is going to do a lot to establish not only our legitimacy as a as a Division I FCS program, but also establish what it's like as a fan to to be supporters of an institution. And I'm really looking forward to it. Well, it's going to be a great
0: uh, time, and I can't wait to check out all that Utah Tech has to offer. Uh, last thing for you, then Ken Beezer joining us here uh, on Nuanas Now. Pretty good measuring stick here in the non-conference for Utah Tech, just as a, a football program in general. And uh, I think you got a great head coach there. I think Paul Peterson's really good. I've known him since his Big Sky days when he was there at Sac State. And uh, he's come on the show several times over the last couple of years as well. Um but what do you sort of think of this early season test? just from a football fan perspective. I mean, you're at Bozeman uh, at Montana State last week in Bozeman, and then you got uh, Montana coming to town, and then you got Northern Arizona on the schedule too. So an all Big Sky non conference for the Trailblazers, but uh, should be a pretty good measuring stick for uh, Utah Tech football.
1: Yeah, and I hope it goes better than it did last week in Bozeman. Um, we we talked about measuring stick. I mean, we didn't measure up too well. Um, and hopefully play a little bit um, better this week. But yeah, we, we've all noticed that down here. It's people are saying it looks like you got a big sky conference schedule. And uh, I said, yeah, that's not. Uh, those are not the two teams you want to start off with your big sky schedule. But um, yeah, it, it, it's a difficult schedule. And uh, like I said, it was it was made out of you know back when we first went Division One. This schedule is basically put together not knowing that we we're going to have a conference and. Um, you know, we'll go into a full eight-game uh, conference schedule next year with the United Athletic Conference. And looking forward to that. This year it's just sick, which allows us to play those five non-conference games. But uh, you know, these these are schools that uh, we hope to compete with. These are schools that we will be competing with. You know, on their recruiting trail, and we have got we've got to do a better job. Got to do a better job matching up with them.
0: Ken Beezer, Utah Tech Athletic Director here on Nuana's Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. Ken, great talking with you. Look forward to meeting you on Saturday, and uh, thanks so much for taking some time today.
1: Oh, you're, you're welcome. I'll drop by your radio booth and say hi to you this uh, Saturday.
3: Well, would you look at the time? Uh, Got to get out so we can come back, and we'll probably get out right again when we come back so we can head it. Right on into the second hour, that was Utah Tech AD Ken Beezer visiting with Coulter Nuanez. Uh, But we're up against it here, so we'll be right back. You're listening to Nuanez Now, ESPN Radio. At Jewelry Design Center, they
0: can make anything you desire.
2: We have branded jewelry that you'll see across the world
1: nine ESPN Missoula watch the show statewide on SWX Montana
3: television welcome back Nwana now ESPN radio the Mike Jones got me stuck on the uh Houston rap scene so chameleon air and slick Rick bringing you back hip-hop police as promised got to get out so we can get into the second hour first hour in the books here on Nwana now second hour coming right at you With the Garden City Spotlight, we caught up with Missoula Loyola head football coach Todd Hughes as well as Missoula Hellgate head football coach Ryan Nelson. Both of those teams in action tonight for Friday Night Lights in the Garden City. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on is Now right after this. You're listening to 102.9 ESPN Radio.